Well, good morning, everybody. We are going to continue in our series, our year-long series on getting to know God by name. And we are going through the entire year uncovering the over 900 different names of God. And today is the God who sees me. Now, when I came into church this morning, I couldn't see the sign who sees me, but it's uh, far left, top left-hand corner, you'll see a yellow sign that says, the God who sees me. And we are going to go to Genesis chapter 16. So go ahead and get your Bibles out. You've got your notes. You can follow along. Those of you that are watching online, you can follow along with us. Notes are available. You've got some fill-in-the-blanks. And we're going to look today at, uh, does God really see me? There's over 8 billion people in the world. 333 million people in the United States. 22 million people in Florida, 3 million in Central Florida, 2 million in Orlando, and 6,975 people in the city of Belle Isle. And you hear those numbers, and it's really easy to start feeling that you're invisible. Does God really see me? We're living in what I call the invisible society, living invisible. I think COVID kind of kicked that off, and there's a lot of people that are still living with the I'm invisible mentality. And it doesn't matter what you're going through today, doesn't, doesn't matter what you brought in with you today, you are not invisible. And you're going to leave today with one message that's going to ring really, really loud and clear with you today. You matter. You count. You're not a statistic. You are not a number. You matter, and God sees you. Now, we're going to look at an incredible story in Genesis chapter 16. It's about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And I'm just going to be real honest with you right up from the get-go here. Like, this is like a crazy story. Like, this is Jerry Springer material. In fact, Jerry Springer's first uh, TV show was on this story in Genesis 16. It has got all the elements of just crazy drama, but an incredible story of a young woman by the name of Hagar who was running from God. She didn't have the courage to face the situation that she was dealing with, and so she, she decided to run. And can I tell you something this morning? Everybody runs. It really is just a matter of who you run to or where you run to, but everybody runs. And there's people here today that are watching. There's people here today online. There's people that are in the sanctuary today, and, and you're running. And you think that in the midst of all your heartache and your trouble and your isolation and your rejection and your hurt and your pain that God doesn't see you. But in a beautiful way, God showed up to Hagar and let her know, I see you. You matter. 
You're not a number. You're not a statistic. I know what's going on. I'm aware of every detail, and I see you. You know, there's a lot of people, they just want to be seen. Does my life count? Do I matter? Am I here for a reason? And God, do you care? And do you see me? And one of the beautiful names of God is El Roi, the God who sees me. So if you'd like to go with me, let's go to Genesis chapter, chapter 16, and let's look just for a couple minutes about this crazy Jerry Springer story in Genesis chapter 16. Before we go there, I want to I just give you a little bit of history. I, I, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 15 because here's the, the context of the story. God promised Abraham, you are going to have a son. I know you're 90 years old and your wife is 89 years old and, and, and you're, you're not in childbearing age, but I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a promise, Abraham, and you are going to be the father of many, many millions of people. I just want you to trust me. Here's my promise. I'm going to give you a son. And so look in Genesis chapter 15. Look what it says here. And it says, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside. Let's stop there just for a moment. Sometimes God has to get your attention, and he has to take you outside. See, Abraham was living in a tent, and his vision was limited. So God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to come outside of your tent. Do you know that sometimes your surroundings and your circumstances limits your vision? And you can't see when you're in your tent. So God says, I want to bring you outside. And he brought him outside. And then Abraham, God said to Abraham, look up. Now, I want you to do that just for a moment. I want you to, some of you got your head down. Some of you are, are, are dragging here today. Some of you had a rough week. I want you to look up for a second. Look up. Get your chin up. Get your shoulders back and look up. That's what God said to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to look up and I want you to count. And look at the sky and I want you to count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then the Lord said to him, so shall your offspring be. God promised Abraham that he was going to have a son and he took him outside of his tent and he told him to look up and God said, I'm going to promise you that you're going to have a son. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Has God promised you something? Is there a promise that you are believing God for? Maybe you're here today and maybe you're like Abraham and Sarah and you can't have children and you're believing God to give you children. Maybe you're here today and you're faced with sickness and disease and you're believing that God has promised that he's going to heal your body. Maybe you're here today watching online, and maybe you're faced with bankruptcy, you're faced with, faced with financial situations. Maybe you're having trouble with your grandkids. Maybe you're having trouble with your kids. Maybe you're just depressed and lonely. Whatever your situation is, God is faithful to his promises. And I want you to be encouraged today that you can stand on his promise. And when God promises you something, you have to make sure that you are standing on that promise. And you are believing that God is 
who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do for you. And like Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and as, number, as, as the number of the stars in the sky, you're going to be the father of many. That's my promise to you, Abraham. Stand on it. And Abraham did a pretty good job of standing on the promises of God. But how many of you know that when God promises you something, it doesn't happen overnight? It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen sometimes in a year or 10 years. God sometimes waits to see if we're going to be faithful to believe him and to stand on the promises. Now, the problem with this story in Genesis chapter 16 is this. Abraham quit trusting in the promises of God, and he took matters into his own hands. Literally. You're going to see here in just a few seconds, he literally took matters into his own hands. And I'm not going to go into great detail, but you're going to be able to read between the lines on this one. We need to be firm in our conviction that when God promises us something, that he's going to fulfill it and not waver. We need to be patient and believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Can I get an Amen. So let's go now to Genesis chapter 16. This, this is the beginning of the story, and this gets a little crazy here, so kind of bear with me, but let's look at uh, chapter 16 and verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children, Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed. Wow. Think about that for a moment. Sarah comes into Abraham as he's reading the Orlando Sentinel in his Florida room, and she says, I got a great idea. I know that God has promised us a son but I've got a better idea. I want you to sleep with our merry maid, Hagar. And through her, God's going to give us a son. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? I don't see Tammy ever coming up with that kind of idea for me. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. But Sarah made the decision to stop believing in the promises of God, and she made the decision that she was in control of her life, and she came up with her own idea, and her own idea to her husband was, go sleep with our maid. And then two powerful words in Genesis chapter 16, and Abraham agreed. It would have been a good time for Abraham to say, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think we should be doing that. But Abraham, like Sarah, decided to take matters into his own hands, and he slept with Hagar. And guess what happened? It gets juicier and juicier by the second. Hagar becomes pregnant. And now Sarah is mad at Hagar, and she kicks Hagar out of the house. And guess what Hagar did? She ran from God, and she ran from her situation. Now, think about it. She was an immigrant. 
She was single. She was poor. She was rejected. She was confused. And on the road that she was walking, the Bible says an angel of the Lord showed up to her. Powerful story. Hagar's name means to fly away. And I don't know about you, but I've had a few times in my life where I wanted to fly away. You can't handle it. Life gets really tough. You get confused. You get fearful. You're full of doubt. You're wondering what's going on. And the best thing to do is just run away. And I've been there. I think you've been there too. Hagar was was confused. She didn't know what to do. She had just slept with Abraham, and now she's pregnant, and now Sarah is mad at her, and she doesn't know what to do, so she just packs up and leaves. And the Bible says she was on the road called Shur, S-H-U-R, and that word there means a wall. I'm wondering if you're here today, you've ever hit a wall. I mean, what's like this wall right here? When you hit a wall, there's not many options, are there? You come to a place where you're just, you're at a standstill. You've hit a wall. You're flying away. David understood that. David said in Psalm 55, oh, if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and I would be at rest. But do you know, you can fly away and you can never be at rest. And there's people here today that are in the sanctuary, people today watching online, and you feel like Hagar today. Confused, lost, wondering what in the world is going on, what in the world is happening, and you're running and you hit a wall. And can I tell you something today? You're in a really good spot. Because when you're running and you hit a wall, usually that's the moment that God shows up. When you try to fly away and be at rest and you're still depressed, you're still lonely, you're still discouraged, you're still hopeless, you're still broke, God makes a way when we hit a wall and he says to us, I know what's going on. You're not alone. I see you. Look what it says. Are you all still with me this morning? Look in Genesis chapter 16. You're there. And it says, verse 7, and, and the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was that spring that is beside the road shore. And he said to Hagar, two questions. Number one, where have you come from and where are you going? Those are two wonderful questions. Can I tell you something this morning, church? Are you all with me? God has a wonderful way of asking questions. And he asks questions not because he doesn't know the answer. He asks questions because he wants you to know the answer. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, God is a God of questions. Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. What does he say? Where are you? 
Saul on the road to Damascus. Why are you persecuting me? Peter, do you love me? I don't know about you, but I've encountered many times in my life where God simply asks the questions and it goes right to the heart. He doesn't beat around the bush when he asks questions. Why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? Why are you taking matters into your own hands? Why didn't you trust me? Why aren't you standing on my promises? Why did you sleep with her? What did you think was going to happen? And God asked the same question to Hagar on the road to Shur. Where have you come from? Now, I want you to think about that just for a few moments. Where have you come from speaks about our past, about who we are and where we come from. The second question is, where have you come from and where are you going? See, when you're running from God, it's not so much about the past that he wants to concentrate on. He wants to concentrate on the future. And the question to Hagar was a powerful question. Where have you come from and where are you going? And there's people here today in this sanctuary and watching online. God is asking you the same question today. Where have you come from and where are you going? See, we run to things that are not going to solve our problem. We run to alcohol. We run to pornography. We run to gambling. We run to the Internet. We run to our phones. Have you ever, you ever seen someone who suddenly realizes they don't have their phone with them? We're, we're a generation that is addicted, literally. You hear the beep on your phone and your first reaction is, you'll leave any conversation, any situation to answer that little ding on your phone. And people run to their phone. They run to the internet. They run to their government. Believing that a, a person or a politician is going to help them in their pursuit of running from the reality that they're dealing with. I don't know what you're running from. I don't know what you run to. But God's question to us today is, where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar, you've hit a wall. You can't go any further. And some of us here today, we just love to try to break through walls, don't we? You get your pick out. You get your sledgehammer out. You get your crane. And you're determined to figure this thing out on your own. Could it be? That God has allowed you to hit a wall. God has allowed you to see that you're running and that it's time for you to turn around and run to the one that can really only solve the problem you're faced with, and that's Jesus Christ. The name 
of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Where have you come from, Hagar? And where are you going? I hope somebody's getting this this morning. The angel of the Lord continues to speak to her, and, and, and Hagar says, I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. And the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress, submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord told Hagar, stop running and turn around and go back and submit to Sarah. Powerful, powerful story, powerful principles. Why do people run away? You look at there in your notes, you'll see the, the, the two big words, UN. You see that there in your notes, UN? Uh, uh, these seven points here, real quick, all begin with the letters UN. And I wanted you to just be aware of how hard it is to come up with seven points that begin with UN. So it took me four hours this week to come up with seven reasons why people run. And they all begin with UN. And I was hoping to get a, oh, man, that's fantastic, Pastor Scott, UN. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Why do people run? Number one, they're unhappy. They're unhappy. So I'm just going to run. I don't like the pressure. I don't like the drama. I don't like Sarah's on my back. I don't like the fact that I slept with Abraham and I'm pregnant. I'm unhappy, so I'm just going to run. They run because they're unhappy. They're filled with sadness. Number two, they run because they're unfulfilled. There's an emptiness there. They're unfulfilled and they run. Number three, people run because they're uncomfortable. There's awkward situations and they're uncomfortable. Number four, they're uncertain. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I slept with Abraham and Sarah's mad at me and Abraham's mad at me and I don't know where to go so I'm just going to run. They're, they're, they're uncertain. They're insecure. Number five, people run because they're undecided. They're filled with doubt. Number six, they run because they're unsettled. They're confused. And then number seven, they, they run because they're unclear about the future. They're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they're uncomfortable, they're uncertain, they're undecided, they're unsettled, and they're unclear. Let me ask you a question this morning. Why do you run? And who are you running to? Is it alcohol? Is it gambling? Is it isolation? Is it the computer? So many things that we can run to. And really the questions that we run is God says to us, where have you come from and where are you going? God then says to Abraham, I am the God who sees you. Hagar, I see you. I know you're afraid. I know you're rejected. I know you are uncertain about the future. I know you have no money. I know you're on the run. But I want you to know today that I see you. I know the situation, and I'm with you, and you're not alone. And Hagar went back and submitted to Sarah. 
but she had an incredible encounter with the God who sees me. I don't know what you are faced with today. Chances are it's probably not as bad as Hagar. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? But whatever you're faced with, I believe God is saying to us all today, you can't run from it. You can't, you can't just try to avoid it. You can't try to escape it. Really, James comes up with really the best solution when you're faced with hardship. Let's go there real quick as we close. Bruce, if you can go up to the keyboard. Go to James chapter 1. Hummer's still with me. Let me hear an amen. amen. James chapter 1. When you are tempted to hide, when you are tempted to run, when you are tempted to avoid whatever's going on in your life, James gives us some incredible insight on how we can face our troubles and our hardships and our struggles. Look at Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Everyone say those two words, face trials. Face trials. See, James has given us some incredible wisdom. You can't run, Hagar. You can't avoid the situation that you're faced with. Face your trial. Hit it head on. Deal with it. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you're here today and you feel alone, confused, rejected, unsure about the future. James says, face your trials. Don't run from it. You're only going to hit a wall. You can't hide. You can't fly away. Face your troubles and allow perseverance to finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You'll see a coffee cup here on the table today. It's a uh, Costco imitation version of a Yeti. But really why I like this coffee cup is the little band that is on, that I put on this cup to remind me. I, normally you wear these bands on your wrist, but I have coffee every single morning. And so I figured I was going to put this on my coffee cup because that would really help me to remind the message behind this little band that's on here. It's from Diane Anderson. And John is here. Diane, her nephew Nick is faced with an, an impossible situation. Physically, faced with incredible odds that are against him. And she gave me this little uh, rubber uh, bracelet. She gave it to me probably about a year ago. And I remember the power of rubber bracelets. I wore one for almost three years that said Austin's Army. I knew the power of just a little message, a little rubber thing that, that, that would remind you there's somebody praying for you. There's somebody with you. And I love this message that they put on this little uh, blue band. It says, it says, together we fight. And I love this one. You are not alone. It's amazing that a little rubber bracelet can bring hope. It can bring a little bit of 
courage. And, and I don't know, maybe the angel, when he was talking to Hagar on the road to shore, maybe he put a little rubber bracelet on her wrist that says, I see you. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. I know you're in a tough situation right now, but I want you to know that my name, I've got 900 of them, but my name to you, Hagar, is I see you. And every time I drink out of this Costco fake Yeti, I look at that little rubber band, John and Dan, and I'm, I'm praying for Nick. And, and I want Nick to know that he's not alone. And neither are you. God sees you. Now, we're going we're gonna to end today's service uh, by, by just praying for people. And you've done nothing wrong. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But if you need to know today that God sees you and God's aware of what's going on in your life, I want to just agree with you and I want to pray with you and I want to stand with you on the promises that God has given you. Don't veer from the promise that God has given you. Don't Take matters into your own hands. You'll get pregnant. <laughs> you talk about fear, that grips me to the core. I've had four beautiful kids. The last thing I want to hear is, guess what? I'm pregnant. Man, whatever you're faced with, God sees you and you're not alone. There's people here today, you're, 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 you're fearful of the future. You're wondering if your money's going to run out. You're wondering, do you matter? You're wondering, do you have a life of purpose? You want, God, do you see me? And God says today, you're not alone. I see you. Would you stand up across the auditorium together? We're going to pray together.